Hello, welcome to Grit in Medicine, a Mayo Clinic Talks production inspiring grit, growth, resilience, inspiration, and tenacity in medicine. Have your inside fears ever hijacked your performance? Have you ever experienced stereotype threat? My name is Dr. Anjali Bagra. I'm an internist in executive health. And I'm Dr. Susie Moshler, an anesthesiologist specializing in pain medicine at Mayo Clinic. We're your hosts for Grit in Medicine. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app to get notified when new episodes are released. Today, we are joined by Dr. Sharon Hayes, Professor in Cardiovascular Medicine and Director of Diversity at Mayo Clinic. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Hayes. It's great to be here. So let's just start off, Dr. Hayes, and tell us what grit means to you. So first, grit is this rockin' CME course that you guys put on. So I'll start with that, um, where you can learn, you can network, and everything else with really cool people that come from around the country. But I'd say grit for me really means um, the courage and tenacity to get up when you fall down and to keep powering through um, adversity because you have an inner drive or know your higher purpose. Well, thank you, first off, for the shout out. And you know, we cannot do this without you and our rocking grit team. Um, so tell us a few interesting facts about yourself. I am not very interesting, but um, I do have two dogs that I love. Um, my favorite thing to do outside of work um, is travel and explore the world, and um, I don't have any specific goal in that uh, space, but uh, I want to cover a lot of continents in the next couple of years. I have to admit I've followed her on social media, and Dr. Hayes is the go-to person for travel advice. I'll take that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so what is your topic at GRIT? So I'm going to talk about uh, a topic called stereotype threat or identity threat. Those are the two um, sort of scientific or social science uh, words for it. And that is when we know that there is a stereotype about, usually a negative stereotype, about a group to which we identify or belong. So a woman, a doctor, a mom. Uh, any of those are identities that we may have and which stereotypes, the stereotypes about everything. Um, and what can happen is if we are in a situation where that negative stereotype comes to fore, we might, despite our best efforts and knowing about that stereotype, actually play to stereotype. So if moms are uncommitted or silly you know, to women, then when we are in our mom mode, maybe we actually very much act out mom, negative mom things. If you're a woman physician and you're a minority in your group and you know what the stereotype of a leader is, and it isn't necessarily somebody who looks like us sitting here. So you know, where I learned like I have been affected by stereotype threat when I first started studying this is how many times I knew I was the expert on the topic, women and heart disease, a diversity and inclusion topic, and I would walk into the boardroom with a bunch of people and all of a sudden I was stumbling. I had practiced that talk. I knew what the presentation mm -hmm. was. And it's only in reflecting back because I had been reminded, you're the only woman in the room. 
So that's what it is, but I think the talk is gonna be about what it is, but the biggest thing about stereotype threat is once we know about it, we can actually do things to help us avoid being trapped by it, and even better, we can help others. Mm-hmm. That's huge, and mm-hmm. as you're saying those things, multiple physician, mom, all those things that I'm reflecting on in my own situation, and when you said going into a meeting, and I remember fumbling, thinking I did, my voice went up, I nearly cried, all these things that I was trying to avoid. So. Mm-hmm. How can, and maybe give us a little teaser into what you're going to talk about, how can we prepare ourselves for those situations in in the stereotype threat? Before I do that, let me give you a couple of, so I've given you a personal example, and Mm -hmm. you've you've just shared that you felt it, but there's some science behind this. And I think that's important, too, because they say, oh, that's just a a nice thing to have. So... um, when we prime each other, if you're reminded, for instance, that you're a mom or you're the only woman in the room, so you and, and you do that. So women, young women taking ACT or the um, AP Calc test, if they put the demographic question, male or female, so what do we have a stereotype about girls in math? Maybe not, not so as good as boys. Not as good. Right? Now, I may be a math whiz, but there is a stereotype, and that's important as well. It isn't what I think I can do. It is what there is a stereotype about my group. So by reminding women, by saying checking male or female before the test, women did worse than men. Mm-hmm. Putting it at the end of the test, at the last, not priming them or reminding them, they did just as well. Girls playing chess against imagine, uh, online chess. So... Competitive chess players, they have a lot of stats, so they can predict how well they'll do against an opponent because they have stats. So girls who think they're playing against another girl play almost exactly as they're predicted. Girls playing against what they think is a boy do worse. Mm -hmm. So girls playing against a computer do not automatically get dumber. It is something going on in their brain that doesn't necessarily help right. them. Mm-hmm. Right, which brings us to the next question. Um, you know, is there data around like who is affected more? Like are women affected more than men? Because I, I suspect there are certain groups within men and other populations who are also affected by it. Well, if you think about it, anybody can be affected because mm-hmm. we all have an identity that probably somebody thinks has a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. So if you think about um, you know, um, African-Americans, violent, women, not leaders, um, Asians, uh, you know, recently some talks about Asian men not being considered um, uh, uh, handsome or sexual, you know, romantic mm-hmm. leads in movies. So all of the, I mean, there's so many different mm-hmm. stereotypes, even white men. So white men who sexist, harassers, you know, if you've got something or leaders. So think about the giving those examples before a white man who's really good. He's getting in front of, of grit, in front mm-hmm. of 250 women and maybe just a few men. The last thing he wants to do is say something sexist or exactly. or off. Yes. And just because he's thinking about that, he so too, much. Yeah. because he knows that, particularly in that group, that it might be threatening. So I think that's one of the reasons that people can identify because mm-hmm. almost all of us have had some experience where we were in a situation where we were worried about performance or worried about playing to stereotype, whatever that was, you know, the dumb jock or, you, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I mean, 
no, I'm a Rhodes Scholar, but yeah, I'm really good at football. Mm -hmm. And so all of us can have those different identities. And so although there are certain groups that may experience it more, particularly if there are more negative stereotypes in the media and in culture about mm -hmm. those groups, mm -hmm. um, you know, it can work. So true. And I think media plays a huge role in mm -hmm. reinforcing, like repetitive reinforcing of these stereotypes. Yep, exactly. um, and, you know, there's so much out there about stereotype threat, microaggressions, imposter syndrome, and it, it's hard. Are all these things interchangeable, or how would you say they are different? Well, I would say they are very interconnected because often the groups that are most affected by um, stereotype threat may also be affected by imposter syndrome, where they feel they are not worthy, or by microaggressions or implicit bias against them. So I do think it is a bit of a pile-on effect. But if you think about stereotype threat, that's about my own identity and, and or identities, whereas imposter syndrome is more about I don't believe in myself or I have internalized something. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the stereotype threat is about an external stereotype that other people have that we're aware of. Right, it's a perception of an external um, agency versus your own self, right. which would be the case in imposter syndrome. Right. So I'm going to circle back here and ask you to give us some insights building upon that data that you discussed on what can we do to help others to really succeed and to be confident in situations where they may feel stereotype threat. So I think for both how we can help ourselves and others is one being aware and talking about the topic, right? Mm -hmm. Because what, uh, and I, I know Dr. Bragra has, um, has talked about this too, and once you hear about this phenomenon, th there's an aha moment. So part of it is, is just sharing what it is and how it can affect somebody because there's a certain validation about that. The other is to recognize what are your triggers for your identity mm -hmm. threat. Is it your gender? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's being tall. Maybe it's being short. Maybe it is being a mom or being divorced. Uh, there's all sorts of stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And, and so if you can avoid those, now most of us can't if they're work-related, but if you can avoid those triggers or at least knowing in advance. So if you know in advance, I'm going to be de-skilled. So you know, that's a word I like to use is when you get affected by this, um, there's some physiologic things and it's a self-fulfilling de-skilling mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. So first of all, you have some self-affirmation. So like, why am I going into this room to give this presentation? Because I'm the expert, and it's really important for those people to know. So what is your purpose and meaning for doing that? That actually, there's, and I'm saying this because it sounds like psychological self-talk, but there actually are studies that have shown that this works. Mm -hmm. The other is, um, is affirming your own values. I'm at work as a doctor um, because I think it's really important for my patients or my science is really important. So, so really um, looking internally about that. I think that um, also when you get through it is activating another identity, right? Instead of thinking I'm the one, only woman, like I'm the smartest cardiologist, or you know, I mean, th there are other ways that are not threatened in that situation that you. And so everything I'm saying, what you can do, you can help another person talking about when they think I'm going to be the the only minority in this um, in this program, but you're the only one who has a PhD or you know, activating right. some other identity. Right. And I think you're being very modest. These are individual strategies, but you and your team have, like, researched this, and 
contributed incredibly um, you know, in a valuable way by creating training around this. So I know at mm -hmm. Mayo, we've uh, rolled out the stereotype threat training. Um, and honestly, I feel like it's such a great tool. So tools that can allow yourself and others to adopt all of these strategies of professional identity formation. Mm -hmm. And I love the micro-affirmation antidote to microaggressions, and we talk about it. And I, and I think it's a matter of creating that culture, the awareness um, that you talked about, so thank you. Um, and it's, it is really important in healthcare now more than ever, because we, you know, it's, uh, it's one stereotype feeding into the other. I think the other thing, talking about other people, because mm -hmm. we didn't cover this, but we're in healthcare, and patients have stereotype threat when they go to the doctor too. So there are ways that we can mm -hmm. help our patients. So if you think about stereotypes of some of the patients, like an elderly woman mm -hmm. um, or a black person um, who may come in, and so what are the stereotypes about black people? They're not gonna be as adherent, maybe they are poor. And so actually to counteract that, it's been shown that African Americans often dress up considerably to go to the doctor. You know, they can already yeah. they can be there a doctor already, but they want to counter that stereotype. Elderly women might, you know, they know that people are think I'm feeble and I have no brain, even if they're, you know, a retired professor. So how we can do is helping find common identities with our patients and affirming positive um, identities. Oh, you know, oh, you're a mom too. Yeah, so. We can actually help patients uh, who may be affected um, by stereotype threat as well. And certainly impacting patient care and outcomes. And you've really addressed that with all your work in women's health and coronary artery disease. Yeah, I think that the biases mm -hmm. that, that people feel, and, and you know, you talk to, uh, you know, I, I spend a lot of patients with women who are coming to physicians and they share things um, about other uh, environments and how they went to the doctor and they were all ready and they had their list and then they kind of fell apart. Not mm -hmm. and, and sometimes, yes, it's because of nerves or because of the severity of their illness, but sometimes is the, the power differential and I'm just this little um, housewife. That's their identity yeah. right now. And, um, and so instead of the powerful house manager, whatever, mm -hmm. that, so giving people even in advance, and if you recognize that in a patient, you can actually help lift them up um, in a way that might help if that's what's going on. Fantastic, and I think in your work, Dr. Moshler, you, I mean, uh, come across uh, patients with chronic pain, and I can see this happening so rampantly. Um, Definitely, and we, right. we talk about when patients are in the hospital or we're seeing them in the outpatient and they have the label of chronic pain, that sends up all sorts of um, flags and discussion. We definitely talk with our trainees about you know, the importance of listening and, and hearing their story and not making assumptions. And Because people mean, with chronic pain have heart attacks too. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've heart never aches. thought about it in the stereotype threat sort of term, but. Because self-aware patients yeah. are gonna know how they have been treated. You know, right. somebody with chronic pain who every time they say I need some pain medication, um, they are assumed to be a certain type of person. And mm -hmm. so even those individuals might be helped by, by some self-affirmation uh, about that. Another, I, I, another thing that's important, because um, for people who lead, counsel, um, mentor others, so say you have a trainee who does a presentation, and they actually 
fall victim. Maybe they, mm -hmm. they don't do as well as they could, and we think that is. It's really important, there's a term called wise criticism, and that is where you both give really effective, appropriate mm -hmm. feedback that tells them what they could do better, but with blended with the confidence that they can. So if all you do is gloss over and say, oh, it was fine, or you did fine, um, particularly if you're a minority or a woman, you may feel patronized because you know it wasn't fine, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Who wants to hear that? Yeah. But if you only are negative, then it could be so wounding that they walk away. So it's, it's this fine line that I think you develop, but that too can help people overcome because that failure isn't because you're a woman mm -hmm. or because you're black or because you're young, it is because you have much to learn and you will do better next time. Absolutely. And here's what you need to do. That I think is critically important because effective feedback and stereotype threat, I mean, it, it, they are very interrelated. Are. And you cannot shy away from one uh, because you, you're at risk of activating mm -hmm. another kind of threat. So that that's very helpful, thank you. Um, a few final questions. Um, so for stereotype threat and all the steps that one can take to mitigate it, when you um, talk with, let's say, people junior to you, do you embrace your commonalities when you start the conversation, or do you emphasize on how having differences is okay? And maybe this is not pertinent to stereotype threat alone. Um, it's more about like diversity of experience, of having a background that may be triggering a stereotype threat. I've struggled with this, and I don't know which one is more effective than the other. I think it's both and. So I would say for relationship building, whether it's a mentorship or a friendship or a leader relationship or even a patient-physician, um, finding a commonality or having a momentary in-group um, experience um, can go so far. And sometimes it's tough, right? When you're sitting across mm -hmm. the room from somebody who's either really age difference or gender difference or socioeconomic, finding that can be, but it's worth it. So I think I look to find a commonality first. And often it's family for me, you know, mm -hmm. if it's another woman, uh, you know, uh, or work related commonality. But usually you can find, you know, how are your grandkids, you know, you know. That those types of things, but then I think the next step is that um, uh, agility and curio cultural curiosity mm -hmm. that I really want to know something about you, Susie, that I don't know and maybe you wouldn't, I would not know from looking at you. Because mm. if I walked in, I would probably assume I had a lot of commonalities with you if I didn't know you because we look alike, mm -hmm. we're both white mm -hmm. women. Um, I know a little more about you than, you know, I know you're a mom, I know you're, but I might be completely off base, mm -hmm. right? By just looking, and that's where we fall. Um, uh, I think we are at great risk in our human interactions is it's not, it's assuming somebody who looks different is really that different, because I am sure we have some commonalities, but somebody mm -hmm. who looks this, that's actually a bigger danger is somebody who looks the same is gonna think the same. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. Yeah. So one takeaway for me is to, to look at commonality if I'm activating a stereotype threat by standing out as somebody being very different yeah. from the rest of the group around me. So. That's excellent piece of advice. Well, thank you very much. We are so excited and looking forward to GRIT. Um, Can't wait to hear the further extended uh, version of this conversation, all the, your information, the science, and the take-home pearls. Even from our discussion right now, you know, framing the stereotype threat 
in with feedback and how we interact with patients and learners, I mean, you really kind of brought it all together. And so we know you're going to be fantastic and look forward to having you at GRIT this well, year. I can't wait to come again. Absolutely. Well, we've been talking about stereotype threat with Dr. Sharon Hayes, a colleague at Mayo Clinic. Thank you for your time. Thank you.